There's a short story from the legendary authors known as Brothers Grimm entitled The Crystal Ball. It's about an enchantress who had three sons she feared were after her power. So she changed two of them into animals, but the third was able to elude her. This son goes on to fall in love with a princess in a castle who, as with his brothers, was bewitched and given an ashen gray and unattractive appearance. But in a mirror, one could see her true radiant beauty. He learns that in order to break the spell, he must obtain the crystal ball and hold it before the enchanter, which will destroy the power with it, and by doing so, she shall resume her true shape. To cut to the happy ending, he triumphs in obtaining the crystal ball where many have failed and frees not only the princess from her hideous form, but to break the spell on his two brothers. We're going to look at a hideous form of regret that is impacting your ability to manage your money, and I want to help you break the spell it is having on your financial decision making. Today, on Finn Wisdom. Hello, I'm your host, Joel, and this is the first episode of Season 5, where we are focused on the misunderstood frets of regrets. Today, we begin our journey with a discussion entitled, If I Only Had a Crystal Ball. I'd like to start our chat with a little bit of background before we start down the path of regrets. Because I'm having a feeling I'm not the only one who dwells on negative thoughts of disappointment that we may have experienced throughout our lives. And regrets are very powerful and emotional feelings and possibly one of the biggest influencers in our decision making today and our planning for tomorrow. Recently, Daniel Pink, a famous New York Times bestselling author who concentrates on social science, released a book titled The Power of Regret. Now, I've been a big fan of his ever since the release of his groundbreaking book entitled A Whole New Mind back in 2006. In fact, when one asked me what top 10 books I recommend to read associated with behavioral economics, that one is on my list. But I feel I may have to place his newly released book about regrets on that list too because it prompted me to spend a whole season on the topic and to dissect regrets in terms of a positive force versus a negative force in the choices we make, especially when it comes to money management. So each episode this season is inspired and aligned to how Mr. Pink defined them foundationally. However, We will be expanding on each of them beyond the revelations within the pages of the book to help you reflect on how to use regrets positively in building your own relationship with money. And speaking of foundationally, that is our first stop along the way on our journey, which are foundation regrets. This is when we are faced with choices and we select the path that is easier Ones that often lead to instant gratification, but may lead to greater disappointment down the road. Whereas, if we make a choice that often requires a short-term sacrifice, we may potentially experience a long-term payoff. This type of regret is probably the most familiar one to us. Figuratively, it's when you hear the voice in your head say, If only I did my homework. 
When I hear that phrase, it connects on a very, very personal level. Because that was me in my youth as an elementary and high school student. I'd like to think I was rather a smart cookie in the day. I scored well on tests, enjoyed learning new concepts, history, math, science. Oh, but to do those homework assignments. I just could not be bothered, and I would make every excuse in the book. I left it at home. I grabbed the wrong papers. My parents threw it out by mistake. My backpack got soaking wet. I was sick last night, and I even used the ever-classic excuse, my dog ate my homework. Apparently, I just could not see the long-term payoff in doing any homework. By the way, true story, my dog once really did eat my homework, so there is some validity to that statement. But seriously, because I had an issue with completing after-school assignments, my grades suffered as a result. I think back and I could have been an A student. Instead, I was a B student, and those learned behaviors carried me into my early years of college. And my college years were tough. I had a tiny scholarship. My parents were not wealth builders, and I worked as much as I could, living off of ramen noodles and peanut butter jelly sandwiches and cereal. The wake-up call for me was in a class with a university professor who was responding to a student who continued to be disruptive in the class. The teacher stopped the lecture and looked at the person and said, Look, I get paid regardless of your attitude, whether you show up, whether you even pass my class. You paid for the course, so feel free to not do the work or not even show up, which you might wish to consider because everyone else in this classroom seems to understand the value of a paid education. Now, that was my wake-up call, too. I was not someone who was being disruptive, but I was occasionally skipping class or homework assignments. But it dawned on me that this was not going to help me down the road. It wasn't going to help me increase my money energy potential, that I was cheating myself, that I was going to have many regrets, that I was struggling financially, yet wasting the investment in myself for a good education. And if you fast forward to today... You would understand why I picked up degrees and certifications and a hunger for knowledge, why I'm deemed actually a workaholic, why I've sought out experiences and tend to attempt to be, well, a jack of all trades. It's all in the hopes to reduce the impact of this foundation regrets. And a simple way of recognizing this regret is to ask yourself if you assign the following words to any behavior. I eat too much. I drink too much. I watch too much TV. I'm on my smartphone too much. I don't exercise enough. I don't listen enough. I didn't save enough. I didn't work hard enough. I think you get the picture. With all these scenarios, it is not that the forming of regret was immediately noticeable. There is a gradual pace that leads to a point of reflection, whether that's days, weeks, months, Years from now, when you recognize that perhaps you should have been more proactive versus reactive to certain stimuli and opportunities 
earlier in your life. This is known as a foundation attribution error, where the failures we perceive are attributed to either ourselves or others, to personal choices we made when partly to blame is simply circumstances beyond our control. We often misplace blame on one's personality and disposition, but the root cause may be a person's situation or context. I would argue that a contributing cause of this type of regret is a result of insufficient learned behavior. And since we're on the topic of life learning lessons, I'd like to pop a few of your own memory bubbles to help you recognize these type of regrets right after this brief message. You want to know what makes a great coach is a combination of traits that include excellent communication skills, confidence, positive attitude, empathy, and the ability to see the whole picture. It's why coaches are so good at what they do. But there is one area of expertise that even the best coaches could use some coaching of their own. In fact, adding this capability may help business exponentially and equally clients' well-being. I'm talking about improving the relationship with money and how to build money energy. And it's not just a concept. It's an actual science and can be infused into your coaching techniques. In turn, this may help make you stand out from all other coaches out there. So you're invited to participate in possibly one of the most influential webinars of your career. And it's called Introducing Money Energy in Business Coaching. And whether you are a professional coach or coach to others in your own role in life, I encourage you to register for this free event. Visit dnabehavior.com to learn more. That's d-n-a-b-e-h-a-v-i-o-r.com. Before the break, I said I had a few life learning lessons, and I believe there's no better way to connect the dots than with a good story, or perhaps famous fables. How many of you remember the story of the ant and the grasshopper? Quick refresher. That's the story of the grasshopper who fiddled away his days, spent his time enjoying the moment and not planning for the future. The ants around them were very laborious and spent a great deal of time storing food away for the winter season that was to come. So the ants did attempt to explain the value of better behavior, but their efforts did not sway the grasshopper. In the end, the grasshopper regretted his earlier choice and died of cold and starvation, regrettably. And who can forget the story of the workforce hero who became the company Zero? Huh? Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that last one is not ringing a bell? This is the one about the office worker who had every advantage you could imagine. Solid education with honors, physically attractive, born into an influential family, hand-picked for a highly prized role in an organization, and a personality that everyone gravitated to for playful banter. You know the type, right? You stop by their desk, literally or virtually, and you express your concerns, problems, fears, conflicts at work, and they make you feel better. They minimize them, actually, even make you join in laughing about the problems or even poke fun at the people involved. 
This office hero may give you advice to not get involved. Try to avoid business partners that make you feel uncomfortable and avoid taking on more work. To be less noticeable and you can survive for many of years in the company. And of course, befriending such individuals becomes very alluring because it makes you feel good. And these are people who appear to be company survivors themselves. They offer short-term solutions that make work life a little easier. But in our story, a few years pass and you see the lack of effort, the lack of career development, the lack of engagement has led them to less career advancement, infrequent pay increases and bonuses. May I now introduce to you the company Zero. In the story, the hero became out of touch in terms of vision, reduced value to the firm, living in the past, and I'm betting you know someone like this. This is someone who turns from being very jovial to someone who holds many grudges as the years go on and who comes to have foundation regrets. And again, they may have heavily blamed themselves, but it could also be a lack of awareness and guidance that led them to miss opter- to miss those opportunities for a long-term payoff resulting from more efforts earlier in their career. So this is not a very familiar fable, well, because I fabricated it, but I thought I'd share a story that we can all relate to as adults, and it's founded in real experiences. And this leads to how serious foundation regrets impact our financial decision-making. Want a few examples? This will be quite the laundry list that you are bound to check the box on one or more. Let's start with the rule of thumb. That is, to always minimally invest in your company's retirement program to receive the company match. Now that's good advice. But because you may not have known any better, you may be regretting sometime down the road that you didn't sock away even more over the years. And let's go further with investment behavior. You may be well-educated or well-read about the power of diversifying your assets. You may be even well-versed in the theory and recognize the value and rationality of it, but yet, you could be influenced by herding mentality, which most of us sometimes succumb to on occasion. So, you may choose to invest money in something that you were convinced would slingshot your wealth, help you take a shortcut to reaching the nest egg, and it was at a greater risk than probably any of us should have taken. What about when you're spending money? Was there ever something you wanted to own and without doing a bit more research, without doing your homework, you made the purchase because it was on sale, only to learn you could have purchased the same item for less money, maybe even more features, styles, or add-ons for less. Maybe it's new clothing, a new phone, new appliance, And what about those experiences that you pay for when, or maybe it's a special attraction or event when you're on vacation, and you learn when there, you could have saved a boatload of money if you spent some additional effort up front and purchased in advance or discovered a discount code. Foundation regrets aren't strictly associated with investing in expenses. What about borrowing? Thinking about mortgages and what we witnessed back in 2008, I'm talking about the Great Recession. How many people bought homes with no to low money down, starting with an adjustable rate, with later regrets 
in terms of future affordability. And for the record, the Great Recession that brought on the housing crisis resulted in over 6 million Americans losing their homes to foreclosures. Foundation regrets may also grow as one's credit card balance grows. Impulse buying instead of a plan to save for something can lead to quite a bit of remorse. And I wonder how many people made ill-advised purchases decisions in anticipation of a bonus the following year. In every situation mentioned, you can end it with, If only I had a crystal ball, I would have done things differently. And thus where the title of today's podcast was derived, in fact, Having a foundation regret is really all about the impact of hindsight view on our decisions like looking through a rearview mirror. They are also tethered to various biases and behavioral variability, and just like our past discussions about both, there is a different lens you can place on regrets to change them from a negative reflection to positive drivers to help improve your money management. We're going to explore this in the last part of today's podcast, right after this message. You may already know, the sponsor Fin Wisdom is DNA Behavior, but one of the reasons I'm proud of that fact is anyone, and that includes you, can visit dnabehavior.com and take a free behavioral assessment to uncover your personal behavioral style. DNA Behavior is known as the Behavior and Money Insights Company for a reason. They have the science, tools, and programs to help you and your organization take quantum leaps in decision-making, talent acquisition, and enhancing your client's experience. This isn't just a pitch. It's also a sincere and genuine opportunity to learn more about yourself. So visit dnabehavior.com that's D-N-A-B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R.com to start your own discovery of why you do what you do with your money. Learn how DNA behavior can also help improve your organization's decision-making or help add value to your own coaching practices. Okay, so welcome back to our discussion. And I have some humbling statistics to share. According to ConsumerAffairs.com, of Americans reported sometimes, often, or always feeling regretful after a major financial decision. And you want to know what's really shocking? Those with advanced educational degrees were more likely to harbor feelings of regret than those without them. And how about I put numbers to the scenarios I cited earlier to reveal how huge this is. Again, this is from ConsumerAffairs.com. Credit card debt was the biggest long-term financial regret, followed by skimping on emergency savings. Cars were the most regretted large purchase, costing the average purchaser an estimated $33,000 over the past two years. 51% of those who bought a home in the past two years regretted it. More than one in four Americans felt major regret about not negotiating their salary more often. So all of this includes credit card debt, not enough saving or emergency money, inadequate retirement savings, not enough short-term and long-term investments, overspending on a home or vehicle, not prioritizing income and earnings, and insufficient savings for educational purposes. I mean, that's a lot. So here's the thing. 
Change your frame of mind and regrets can be a force for good. And if you think of it this way, life isn't always about obsessing about wrong choices we made for ourselves, but the choices rather than have they made you a better person. How will they shape your future decisions? And how about these famous failures? Perhaps one or two may sound familiar to you. Isaac Newton, Abraham Lincoln, Charles Darwin, Marilyn Monroe, the Wright brothers, Winston Churchill, Thomas Edison, Lucille Ball, Oprah Winfrey, Walt Disney, Bill Gates, Vera Wang, J.K. Rowling, Ariana Huffington. Yes, they all failed at first, but they turned those failures into opportunities instead of regrets to become some of the world's most well-known success stories and also improve their ability to increase their money energy potential. At the end of last season, we spoke about the concept of money energy, and part of what drives it is a combination of your natural financial behavioral capacity and your learned behaviors thereafter. These form your behavioral style, or at least part of it, And that matters to your money decisions and your ability to convert regrets into a positive force too. How? Well, depending on your emotional inclinations determines your self-control based on your existing learned behavior. Way back in Season 1, Episode 3 of Finn Wisdom, we focused on the famous marshmallow test, which revealed whether or not a child would eat a marshmallow placed in front of them or have the willpower to wait for a future reward. This response is associated with a concept called temporal discounting. So in a nutshell, temporal discounting is the effect associated with how we may attach a higher current value to making an action or choice and the immediate satisfaction derived from it versus giving a lower value from an alternative action that we won't see the rewards until a later time. So I think this leads us to the underlying moral to today's discussion, and there is really only one. In the end, it's being prepared. That means not only doing your homework, but understanding what satisfaction you will reap from those choices in the long term. Remember earlier I mentioned how I never did my homework, took the shortcuts, and I wonder if others viewed me as lazy. But should one be judged or judge themselves for the lack of exposure to certain life experiences or not having a mentor, someone to nudge me or the appropriate education to help me see beyond today? And how long should I beat myself up for not having that previous knowledge or guidance? In the same vein, financial planning is often misunderstood as merely seeking financial advice to tell us what to do with our money. But often, it is about protecting ourselves from our own behavior to reduce the possibility of doing things with our money today we will regret tomorrow. So whether it's pursuing more knowledge on your own or seeking help from others who are knowledgeable, improving your financial literacy does make an incredible difference, and in this case, reducing foundational regrets. So I'd like to wrap up this episode with six quick tips to turn self-imprisoning thoughts to self-improvement. Number one, don't push the painful thoughts away. Evaluate the financial impact of those thoughts by looking at them as if they were someone else's. It will make it easier to see. Number two, short-circuit the obsessing. So move from 
those should have, could have, would haves, to what can you do now to generate money energy opportunities? Number three, stop beating yourself up. Focus on what you've learned and share your own money relationship experiences with others. It will really drive good conversations. Number four, forgive yourself. You're only human and become your own mentor. Would a mentor focus on what you did wrong or seek out practical financial lessons from the experience? Number five, discover or rediscover what matters most to you. Start by asking yourself, What defines your quality of life? And number six, be proactive to avoid becoming reactive. Make a list of the foundational regrets you have about your money. Don't dwell on them. Rather, how would you remedy them if you experienced these again? Thanks for listening. And I do have one last bit of advice when it comes to decision making. Envision your future self. And you might see the pitfalls before you make choices. Because establishing more opportunities to predict my own financial future sure sounds better than trying to discover them inside a crystal ball. As a copyright reminder, written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional. And make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Fin Wisdom.